start. Kum len and Ablaki Murder, we are up today's block, Matsuri Shabbos, Kedis Pasha Telus, we're up to the Chavches Amar Aleph. We'll begin Chavzayim and Bez, the last two words. So Amar Rabba, Rabba said, Chavches Amar Aleph, very top of the page. Rabba said, What happens if Shama Miktsas Tkia Bibur? The last thing we learned was Rabbi Huni came along and said that when the Mishnah says, that if you heard the sound of a, a in, inside a pit and all that, but if you heard the sound of the shaifa, you are yoitze, and if you heard the sound of an echo reverberating, you are not. So Rabbi Huni came along and said, if you're inside the pit, then you're listening to the original sound of the shaifa, you are yoitze. If you're outside of the pit, you're listening to the sound of an echo. According to Rashi, what it means is that if you are outside of the pit, and then we have to determine, depends how close you are to the bird, how far you are. So then it depends. Im. According to the rush, these are both absolute rules. If you're inside the pit, you're always listening to the sound of the original shaifer. If you're outside, you're always listening to the sound of an echo and you never hear it. So comes along Rabbi and said, what happens if Shama mixes tkia bebar? You heard part of the tkia inside the pit. Well, mixes tkia asfasabar, and part of the tkia was outside of the bird. So right now the Gemara thinks what the case was: you have a person standing there blowing shofar, you have other people standing around them, and one of those people standing around inside the bird heard part of the sound, then climbed out of the bird in middle of the sound, and he says, "Yotze, you are yotze." Now the question is: we'll come back to the minute. What about mixes? Now it would seem the part of the tkia that you heard standing above ground is not really a proper tkia because you're listening to the sound of an echo. But as long as you heard part of the sound when you're inside the pit, that's good enough. That's what it would seem. And the problem is the next law. The next law is mixes tkia kaidim shiyala mudashacha. If you heard at night you cannot blow shafer, it says in the Pasuk Yem true, it has to be done during the day. So if you heard part of the tkia during the night before dawn, who mixes tkia, and that same tkia continued into the morning, because part of it you heard at night, you haven't fulfilled your mitzvah. Obviously, a contradiction between these two rules. The second rule seems to say you have to hear the entire shofar properly, the entire sound, and the, yet the first rule says part of it in the pit, part of it out, it doesn't matter. How does that work? Says the Gemara, Amale Bayes, a four lines on top. Bayes said to his teacher, Rabbi, I don't understand. Why is it that in the first case, um, that in the case of the, the, the night going into the dawn, into the day, you tell me it's not valid? Because you have to hear the entire sound at a time when you are high, it's not happening. How come in the case where you're inside the pit and then you go out, you're kosher? The fact is, you only heard part of the kia properly. Says the Gemara, the problem is not the person. The problem is the sound of the shafer itself, meaning as follows. When it comes to the sound of the shafer, if part of it was at night, if part of it was at the day, the part of the sound that was at night is not valid. So therefore, you cannot fulfill your mitzvah. When it comes to the, that where you're standing, the sound of the shafer itself is valid throughout. If you would have been inside the bar, it would have been a perfect sound. The problem is you. You have changed. You have, you're no longer in the pit. You're outside of the pit. And therefore, because the sound itself was valid, that's good enough. Why? Rabbi, what's the, what, what is the position? As long as you heard part of the sound, it's good enough. You don't have to hear the entire sound, you only have to hear part. You need to hear part of an entire kosher sound. 
And there was a kosher sound. The only problem is you missed part of it. It's good enough. Rabbi, where, where, where are we up to? We are, can somebody tell them what we're up to now? 28A, and it's about three, three, three psachim. Yeah, three psachim down. Right, which page? 28A1. Okay, says the Gemara, what are you comparing these two cases? Like we just said. Over there, the part, part of the sound was blown at night, so the, the sound itself essentially was no good. Part of it. Here, in the case of the bird, the sound was, was valid throughout, and if you would have been standing in the pit and anyone else was standing there, the problem is that you have moved about. So therefore, the sound is a valid sound. You heard part of it, that's good enough. Says the Gemara. So what are you trying to tell me? The memory trying to tell me the Savarab, but I was of the opinion, Shama Saift Kia Belight Khilis Kia. If you heard part of the sound, you heard, for example, the end of the sound without the beginning, Yatsa you are Yatsa. Umela, and therefore the same thing apply. That Khilis Kia Belight Yatsa. If you heard part of the Kia, I don't care which part you are Yatsa. So let me ask you a question. Toshma, let me ask you a question, which we learned yesterday. You blew the shaifer. You blew the tkia before you started your new bracket. And then when you finished that bracket, you made a tkia gudela long enough that you wanted that that second tkia should be the ending of the first bracket and the beginning of the next bracket. It's not counted as two. It's only counted as one. Now the question is, why not? By my why to salaglabitarta, you're saying that a part sound is good enough. So why can't you have in mind that part of that sound should be the end of one bracket and part of the sound, the other part should be the beginning of the next bracket? So I think more very simple. Here the fact is you only made one sound. Therefore, psukit we're not going to imagine that it's broken in two. But if you heard part of one sound, that is caution. But here you want to take one sound and break it into two, you don't. You can't do that. Now, Russian yesterday's Gemara paints a picture. What exactly are we talking about here? That you, you wanted the sound at the end should be the beginning of the next. And Rashi learns an interesting shot. Rashi says, we know that we're going to learn the Gemara in a few days from now, that we blow Shafer by Musaf, where we blow Shafer by Malchus, Zechreinus, and Shafer. We have three sets. And that's what we're doing. Says Rashi. What it's talking about is you're concluding the Kia of the first set, Malchus, and you're now starting the second set of, uh, of uh, Zechreinus, and you want that that one sound should count for both, the end of one and the beginning of another. That's what Ashi says. Now, practically speaking, it's very difficult to understand how that's possible. Where, because where the whole place? idea of Malchus Zechreinus is that you have to say certain psukim, which where means it, when you finish blowing your Malchus, you have to say part of Musaf, and then move on to the next section. So how is it possible to have one sound to be the end of Malchus and the beginning of Zechreinus? Practically, it's impossible what? unless what? Rashi holds that you don't actually have to say any psukim between Malchus and You say it afterwards or before, but you can blow three brackets and have in mind this first bracket that's Malchus, the second bracket is Achrenus, and the third bracket is Shefris. All the other Hashem don't learn that way. Where's so, the place? 28A? 28A1. Okay. And um, what do you call it? So the Rabbeinu Hanan and others learned, we're talking about within Malchus, so within Zechariah, it doesn't matter. They blew Tkia true at Kia, which is called Tarat. You finished the Tkia of Tarat, and now you're starting the next Tarat. 
which seems again, doesn't mention the way we blow it today, which is Tashrat, Kiyosh Vorm Truit followed by Tashat and Tarat. He just says Tarat, which would seem to accord with the, it used to be. Before Ravavu, the Kisri came along, or Kisari came along and told us how to blow Shaifa, which is what we do today. They didn't blow that way. Everybody did their own thing. And there were people who only blew Tarats. And that's what they did. You blew Tarat, Kiyosh Truit, the last Kiyosh of the first segment of Tarat. You wanted that the Kiyosh also be the beginning of the next Tarat. And therefore, we say you cannot do that. Okay, so the Gemara is saying, um, the Gemara says, we can glean from Rabba that a partial tekiya is good enough. So let me ask another question. It says, Tosh, what we learned, if you're blowing inside a pit, inside, a douche can either be an underground pit with uh, concrete walls around it, or it could be like others say above ground, like the Ramam says. Inside a barrel, the Ram says, why are you blowing Shafer inside a barrel? Who blows Shafer inside a barrel? So the Ran says it's talking about in the times when the, the, the government decreed you're not allowed to blow shofar. And therefore they used to hide and they wanted to mask the sound that nobody should hear it. So they would go inside a barrel, probably put a lid on top of it, a very large barrel. And they would sit inside the barrel and blow shofar with the lid on top. It sort of contained the sound. So if he did all that, if you heard the sound of shofar, fine. If you heard the sound of the reverberation, you're not Yetzir. The question of my why? Why can't he, if you say a part, a part sound is good enough, let him be Yetzir with the first few seconds that he heard the, 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 the kosher sound before it, the reverberation sounded. Before, it, before you heard the echo, if you hold the partial sound is right. That's the most question. And um, so we'll come back to a minute. So the Gemara says, we misunderstood Rabbah. Rabbah was not talking about a case where a, a person listening was inside the bird and sometime in the middle of the sound climbed out and then we have this whole discussion. We're talking about the very person who's blowing the shaifer was inside the bird and then together with the shaifer, he went outside the bird. So the Gemara says, Ki Rabbah, what Rabbah's talking about is, but you're inside the bird, then you picked it up and you walked out while you're blowing the sound. Says what's the big deal? And what's the din? Obviously, he's Gaitzer. Says the Gemara name. I would have thought, Zimnin, it could happen. Zimnin, the Mapik Reisha, he sticks his head out. Ba'akati Shafer Babur. And the Shafer is in, still inside the bar. Because, you know, your ears are higher than the Shafer. So it could be for a couple of seconds, you're not hearing direct sound from the Shafer. You're hearing an echo. The Kamashlan come comes to tell you that what? That we are not worried that that's what happened. So the um, the, the Rishonim proof from here, not like Rashi. They prove from here, or there's an argument between, I told you before, between Rashi and the Rush. According to Rashi, even those standing above the ground, even those standing above the ground, sometimes you are Yetzir, sometimes you're not. If you're very close to the bird, could be you heard the sound of the original Shafer. And if you're far away, then you're not Yetzir. And the Rush says, no, if you're standing outside, you're never Yetzir, you're always hearing the sound of the echo. And, and the rush proves it from this moment right here. What's the Kamash one? The Kamash one are worried that your ears and your shafer were too far away from each other. But if there would be, then you wouldn't be Yetzir, but you're standing. So who can be closer to the shafer than the person himself blowing? And yet the Gemara says that if the ear is outside of the bar, you're not Yetzir. If the ear is outside the bar while the shafer is inside the bar, you're listening to the sound of an echo and you're not Yetzir. Problem with Rashi. So to defend Rashi, they say that Rashi learns when the Gemara says Kamash Mulan comes to teach us. That's exactly what the Gemara is teaching us. The Gemara is teaching us we don't care 
if the ears came out of the bird prior to the shafer, because you're so close to the shafer, you're not listening to the sound of an echo. There's also a big argument when we say that a partial sound is no good. I think Murray concludes, what about, let's say, let's say in time-wise, let's say according to halacha, you know, we'll see the Gemara later how long the kia has to be, you know, equal to the number of shvarim. What happens, let's say in time, five seconds is the time you need to blow a kia. So what happens if you if the person blew 10 seconds and I heard six seconds of it? Do we say that's called a part kia and you're not yoitzer because you only heard part of the sound? Or do we say since the part that I heard was six seconds, longer than what was necessary, I am yoitzer. Big machlek is rishonim. Also, based on this Gemara over here is the, is the whole discussion, whether you can hear Megillah on a microphone or through a telephone or hear it through Zoom and be Yaitzah, because here you see clearly that we have to hear the original sound, not an echo, not a digital sound, nothing else, nothing extraneous to the original sound. But what happens then? Then there's an argument around a microphone, amplifying the sound. How do we treat amplification of the sound? Is that considered the original sound just louder or is that also extraneous original sound is no good. And yeah, let's continue the Gemara. Amar Rabbi Yudah, Yudah said, You have a carbon which is a carbon that's a burnt offering that gets entirely burnt on the Mizbeach. You should not blow that shayfer because you shouldn't have any benefit from a carbon that belongs to Hashem. But the Im Tuk, if he did, Why is that? Because we have a concept called Mi'ila. Mi'ilah means that if you use something that belongs to Hashem, of a carbon, you have stolen it from Hashem. And the law is as follows. If you did it deliberately, b'mezid, it's still Hashem's and you did a terrible sin. According to Chacham Yichai Misa, or to Rebbe Yichai Malkus. But if you did it by mistake, if you did it b'shoigig, then the din is that it's no longer, you just transferred the, the ownership of this item from Hashem to yourself. You have to pay a penalty, Plus, you have to bring a certain carbon called a shami ilis. So, what happens if you did, if you be the evid, you blew the shafer from the oila? So now the, the horn is no longer kaidish, it's not, it's holy now, and therefore you are yaitzah. That's din number one. Din number two, the shafer shlamim, when it comes to a carbon shlamim, where the din is, it belongs to Hashem, and there's no laws of me'ila by a shlamim. Because ultimately, the most the meat all goes to you. The only thing that goes to the mizbech is the fats. So when it comes to a shlamin, the only part of the carbon is the fats. But you don't know you, you, the, the fats have not been separated yet until after you shecht it. So therefore, it's only after the sprinkling of the blood that we say that now, if you take the fats for yourself, you are stealing from Hashem. But we're talking about while the animal is still alive. There's no mi'ilah by shlamin, which means that even after you remove the horns, it still belongs to Hashem. So therefore, you're not yotze. Lo yitake shouldn't blow. Yimtake lo yotze. You're not yotze because you're not have any benefit from Hashem and you're having benefit. Says you want my timer. What's the reason? Oila bas me'ili. Oila, you can steal, and once you stole it by mistake, it becomes yours. Keeping the mobile enough, the chul is no longer Hashem. It's chul. So therefore, you're yotze. Abe shlomi lav b'neimilu shlomi, which is not me'ila at all, shlami, which you, even if you use it for yourself, there's no laws of me'ila until after you sprinkle the blood and only with the fats. So therefore the horns definitely there's no me'ila. It's aser. Riding on it is an iser that belongs to Hashem. So Rabbi holds that since you now have any personal benefit from these kabbalas, you cannot use the shayfer, especially by shlamim, you cannot use the shayfer at all. Says the Gemara, where does mitzvah Come in with Hana. 
What is Hana? We do mitzvahs. Comes along rubber and lays down a very important rule. Masla rubber. First, before we get to this rule, first of all, he said, I don't understand. Uh, even you, Amos Mo. Let's talk about the case of the oil. When are you stealing it? Only, only after you use it for your own benefit. So first you had to blow, and then it, it, it became yours. But at the time of blowing, it still belonged to Hashem. So that you the holes, they both happen in tandem. While I'm blowing, it became mine. But according to um, according to a rather, it only becomes yours after you blew it. So therefore, at the time of blowing, it wasn't yours. So how can you say you're Yitzhak? Masked over Amos Mall. When did you steal a bus look after you blew? Kiko Toka, when did you blow? Bisuda Toka, while I was Asun. Elamarav says, Rabbi, Echadze, the Echadze Loyatsi. You're right, there's no difference. Oil and Shlamim, you're not Yatsi. But then he concludes, Hadarame said, Echadze, the Echadze Yatsi, you are Yatsi. Why are Yatsi? You don't have any benefit from a carbon, regardless of whether it's oil or Shlamim. So why are Yatsi? And he lays out a very important rule. Mitzvah's lab lehanas nitin. As Rashi says, Hashem did not give us mitzvahs so that we should enjoy them. We do mitzvahs because Hashem told us. doesn't matter if the mitzvah is enjoyable. We're doing mitzvahs because Hashem told us. And because we're doing the mitzvah because Hashem told us, and therefore, it doesn't matter that um, I'm having um, pleasure from the carbon of Islam. I'm not doing the mitzvah for pleasure. I'm doing the mitzvah because Kabbalah Zohar, Hashem instructed us. There is a big argument in Roshanim. What about, okay, Shaifa, there's no enjoyment or whatever. What about those mitzvahs? Where, like sitting in a sukkah in, 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 when it's warm, you're, you're getting enjoyment out of sitting in a sukkah. Do we still also apply that rule that mitzvahs are not meant for enjoyment and therefore you can uh, sit in the sukkah or not? So, let's go further. And now, the Balamar says a very important rule. The Balamar says that this concept, which is very interesting, most of Shonim argue, but this is about the Ramban argues. The Balamar says when we say that mitzvahs are not meant to give us any enjoyment, purely because Hashem told us, are only mitzvahs in the Torah. But mitzvahs from the rabbis, like Hanukkah and Purim, they're actually meant to be enjoyable. And therefore, if you're doing something, using something which is also bahano, that's a problem. And the Ramban and others say, no, no difference if the mitzvah in the Torah, Rabbanon, the, the Rabbanon gave us Hanukkah and Purim not to enjoy, but because they told us that's why we're doing the mitzvah. Interesting, fundamental argument between the Balmari and the Ramban. Says he wanted further. Continues, and this is very perplexing. Abhida continues, when it comes to a shafer, if it's made from or something that was meant to be used as an accessory to you shouldn't blow. But if he did, why shouldn't you blow? Because it's me. Now, you now have any hanah from Avaydazara. You now have any benefit from Avaydazara. How come Rabbi Huda says that if you blew your yaitza? The reason is because, as Rashi says, mitzvahs are not meant to have pleasure. So who cares if Avodah now has pleasure? Who's getting pleasure? We're doing the mitzvah. Now, this flies in the face and contradicts what Yehuda said before. So therefore, most opinions are that it's not Rabbi Yehuda saying this. It's actually Ravah who's saying this. Now, we're talking about Avodah that belongs to a guy. If the Avodah belongs to it, the law is that you have to burn it. And we're going to soon see that anything that has to be burnt is as if it has does not meet the minimum standard, the minimum requirement, if there needs to be a shear. We learned yesterday that a shear has to be, that the shafer has to be the size of a tefach, so it sticks out of your hand on both sides. Avodah has to be burnt, so you can't say it's the size of a tefach. So we're talking about a non-Jewish Avodah and you're not picking it up to acquire it, you're just picking up the blow. And because it's not in, it's, an, it's a non-Jewish Avodah the din is a non-Jew can just cancel the Avodah and therefore, because they can cancel it, it doesn't have to be burnt. We have another option. 
A Jew's Avedah Zara, you have no option. Once a Jew is, is, is worships something in Avedah Zara, it can never be canceled. Standing more continues further. What about a Shefish Alina Ladachas, a city that was condemned for Avedah Zara, where all its contents have to be burned? don't blow. my time away. the shear is disintegrating. It's being crushed. It doesn't have a full share because since it has to be burnt, you cannot fulfill the mitzvah Continuing with the theme that you're not having that mitzvahs are not meant to have pleasure. So it comes along Rav and gives a few three examples actually of how that works. Reuben says to Shimon, I don't want to have any uh, benefit. Or from you, or you shouldn't have any benefit from me. I don't want you to have any benefit from me. Reuven can still blow Shaifa for Shimon. How? Didn't Reuven say to Shimon, I don't want you to have any benefit from me? You're allowed to because blowing Shaifa is a mitzvah, and a mitzvah is not there for pleasure. So you're not having pleasure from me, you're doing a mitzvah. However, the big machlek is a shiny name. If Shimon asked Reuven to blow Shaifa, if he's allowed to, because perhaps the fact that Reuven is fulfilling the wishes of Shimon, that in itself, is pleasure. Yeah, I'm listening to you. I'm doing you a favor. And because I'm doing it, you, you ask me a shlichas and I'm, and I'm, behaving, I'm acting on, on your behalf, maybe that is forbidden because of giving pleasure. Others disagree. Then we continue. That's case number one. Case number two. Hamudr hanom If somebody said, I don't have any, I don't want to have any hanor from a shaykh. Is a mutulat koyboy. He's allowed, I don't have, he's allowed to blow again. Because you're not blowing shayfa for pleasure, you're doing it for the mitzvah. Only if it's a sound of the mitzvah. Number three. If I said, I don't want you to have any pleasure from me. I can sprinkle on you the, the mei chatas to be metal, your tome, and we have to take the par When we take that mei chatas, that water with the ashes, we sprinkle it on you. I can be the koyin who's sprinkling it on you, even though... Again, it's a mitzvah, and mitzvah is not pleasure. But here comes an, an, an interesting factor. Be meisikshem only in the winter. I will labor meisikshem not in the summer. Why not in the summer? Because in the summer, out, outside of the mitzvah, you're also getting pleasure. You're getting cold water sprinkled on you. And you're not allowed to have, I made a nether, you shouldn't have any pleasure from me. So I'm not allowed to do that. But in, this, in other words, a, 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 a mitzvah that's coupled with pleasure, apart from the mitzvah, that is pure pleasure, you know, I'll do that. Next case. What about If somebody said, I don't have any pleasure from spring water. If you have to go to the mikveh, you can immerse yourself in the spring water. When? In the winter, because there's no other pleasure. In fact, it's not pleasure at all. Not in the summer, because in the summer, you're getting the additional pleasure of, of cooling down in this water, you know, I'll do that. <clears throat> Um, and Tejra explains why you need all these same cases, but the theme is the same, the principle is the same. Mitzvahs are not there for pleasure. Says Igmar, now starts a new Gemara. We have a concept called mitzvahs, and the question is when you do a mitzvah, perform a mitzvah, do you need to have intent or you don't need to have intent? Do you need to have kavana or you don't need to have kavana? It's a big argument. We had it, if you remember, in Arab Sachem, Kufi Gimel, Kufi Dalad, we had it in the Brochus, Dafyud Gimel. The idea of whether when you do a mitzvah and you're putting out film, whatever it is, do you have to have kavana or other mitzvahs? Not just film. Or as long as you do the mitzvah, who cares? So, <clears throat> big machlek is in Roshanim as well, and there's like four or five different ways of learning shot in the Gemara and what the final outcome is. I'll just mention a few. 
They sent a letter to the father of Shmuel. The father of Shmuel, his name was Abba. But throughout Shas, we always call him the father of Shmuel. I think I told you once the story why that's so. Talk about it another time. It's late enough. So the Gemara says, Kofu v'ochel matzah. What happened? Somebody was once eating matzah against their will. Yatsa. The fact is they ate matzah. Now the question is, Kofu ma. What kind of fear, what kind of forcing are we talking about here? Are we talking about, let's say, somebody who is who is not well, who uh, mentally is not well, let's say, schizophrenic, and therefore he has a seizure, so he's not in control, and and he eats matzah during that time? Then how can it be yitzav? A time we learned eating cholim, eating shaitav. A person sometimes is well, and sometimes unwell. Kishucholim when he's well, how they pikeir chodvarav? He's obligated in all the mitzvahs. Abek kishu shaitav when he's not well, how they kishaitav chodvarav? He's a shaitav. Omar Abbas, Abbas said, we're talking about a case of Shekafu Parsi. Non-Jews forced this person to eat. This person has absolutely no intention to do the mitzvah, and yet they forced him to eat, and he is yet to the mitzvah. Because why? I conclude from here one thing, because mitzvahs don't need kavana. Who cares what your thoughts are? If that's the case, I can learn from here, if you blow shofar as a musical instrument, and it turns out to be that you blew the correct sound, yatsa. So you want a pshita? Isn't that the same? What are you telling me that we didn't know before? It's the same thing. No. I would have thought. gave me a mitzvah to do eat matzah. I ate matzah, so I fulfilled my mitzvah. I will hochol here through aksiv. It says over here you should remember the sound. In other words, it's more than just blowing. You should also think about it. No, behind us asking about this guy just playing around. Maybe commercial on that you are. Why? So the Gemara makes a distinction here between Shaifer and Matzah. I want you to know that the Rambam Paskins, that when it comes to Matzah, you're Yaitzah, even if you have no intention. But when it comes to Shaifer, you're not Yaitzah unless you have an intention, which is exactly the opposite of Al Gemara. Al Gemara links the two together, and the Rambam makes a distinction, okay, which because of other Gemaras. But the logic behind the Rambam is like possibly two ways. The Rashbam lays down a rule. The Rashbam says, any mitzvah which involves an act, an action, action speaks louder than words. I don't care what kavana you had. You pick up a little of your yetzer, who cares if you thought of, you know, you had kavana or not. If you ate matzah, you ate matzah, you ate But when it comes to, uh, for example, dibur, when it comes to words, or blowing shaifa, there's no mice here, just a sound. Or produce, listening to a sound, you have, that's a mitzvah, to listen to the sound. Or when it comes to Megillah, the mitzvah is to listen to the sound of Megillah. What are you doing? Nothing. The only thing you're doing is intention, kavana. So if you're not having kavana, you didn't do anything. So therefore, the, the Rajbam learns, and the Maga Mishnah learns, that's the Rambam. Within mitzvah itself, if you do an act, we don't need kavana, the Rambam rules. But if you're doing dibur or listening, you do need kavana. The other school of thought is that no, the really that mitzvahs always require kavana. But we have a rule when you do an avera, you have to have intention to do an avera. However, the Gemara says, Hamis Asik If somebody is, you know, playing around, he didn't realize what he was doing, and suddenly he found out that he ate trace. Or so it was totally unintentional. It's not even a shaygit. He didn't know what he you know, he thought he was eating kosher. Or uh, and he wasn't even playing to eat, it was a masasik playing around and then you put in your mouth. Or ba'arayis, you committed a sin, an adultery, had no intention. You're misasik. The din is yuchayib. Why? Because the fact is you had pleasure. That pleasure that you're getting from this particular activity is tantamount to having intention to do a mitzvah. 
So therefore, we're eating matzah, you're enjoying the fact that you're eating matzah, so that becomes your kavana. Mitzvahs need kavana. And, uh, and therefore, Shafer, you're not yotzer, and Megilly, not yotzer, where's your kavana? But by eating matzah, eating is pleasurable, that is your kavana. Another interesting thing is, it says a case here where Goyim Persians forced you to eat matzah. Why Persians? What about if Eden forced you to eat matzah? It seems from here, the Turi Evan, the Shagazai wants to learn, if, uh, if you eat matzah, the Yom Kippur. If you eat, if Eden will force you to eat matzah, then perhaps even if you hold mitzvahs need kavana, that's considered kavana. Why? Why are the Eden forcing you to eat matzah? Because they want you to do the mitzvah of matzah. And every Jew deep down wants to do the mitzvah. So these Eden, as if they're talking to your neshama, they got you going, and therefore it's as if you're having intention to eat the matzah because your inner self, your essence, actually wants to do the mitzvah. But if Goyim are forcing you, they have no interest in the mitzvah. What do they care about the mitzvah? So if Goyim are forcing you, they're not talking to your neshama. They're just forcing you a nilly-willy. So therefore, it, uh, it's not considered, if you hold if you hold a mitzvah's need kavana, then you would not have fulfilled the mitzvah. Okay, let's continue, Mark. Hey, so I'll ask you a question. So you're telling me mitzvah don't need kavana. Let me ask you a question. It says, we looked at Marbrach as you were reading it, because it came time to read, let's say, with Pasha Zacher or whatever. So you had something that you had to read, and you were reading the Torah. So, if you had a mind, you're Yotze. Now, what do you mean, had a mind? You're reading anyway. So, obviously, having a mind means to fulfill the mitzvah. Doesn't that prove that mitzvahs need Kavana? My love, Kivan Liba Lotz, he had a mind to, to fulfill the mitzvah. So, no, no, no. He had a mind to read. We're talking about somebody's reading the Torah. And it says you have to have in mind. It obviously means to have in mind to fulfill the mitzvah. So doesn't that mean that mitzvahs do require kavana? No. We're talking about you're editing. And the way the, the Shain explained my brachas, when you're editing, especially you want to make sure that no letters are missing. So you express every vowel, even a silent letter, you will spell it out and you'll put in the kuda a vowel there so that you remember there should be a yud here or a vav here. So therefore you're not reading it correctly. So it's saying, that's what the mission is saying here. If you're editing the Torah and you want to be to the midst of Kriya, make sure, stop editing and read it like you're supposed to read it. Toshma, come in here. Come in here. We're passing by a shul, you're passing by a shul or your house. We learned this just yesterday. If you're passing by a shul or your house was annexed to the shul, you heard the sound of the shayf, the sound of Megillah. What do you mean you had kavana? Obviously, to, to fulfill the mitzvah. Doesn't that prove that mitzvahs need kavana? My love, you had a mind to be yaitzah. You had a mind to listen. You had a mind to listen. We're talking about you heard. Yes, you heard sounds. But we're talking about, no, mitzvahs don't need kavana. But you need to be aware of what's happening. Sover. Could be that he thought it was the, it was the braying of a, of a donkey, it was some animal sounds. So what's the Mishnah telling us here? Mitzvahs don't need kavana intent to fulfill the mitzvah. But if you want to be yaitzah, you have to be aware of what actually is happening here. What's transpiring is not some animal making sounds, but a shayfa being blown. So Arna Levi, the, 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 the author of the Chinuch, according to many, therefore says, going back to the previous case of Goyim force a yid to eat matzah, Mitzvahs don't need kavani. He fulfills the mitzvahs, provided that this yid who is eating the matzah knows that it's Pesach and knows that it's matzah. If he has no idea that it's Pesach, he has no idea that it's matzah, then even though mitzvahs don't need kavani, you haven't filled it. Just like here. 
You heard the shayfer, you don't need attention, but you need to know it's a sound of a shayfer. It's not good enough if you thought it's a sound of an animal. You have to be aware of what's happening. And why, so what's the logic then? If mitzvahs don't need kavana, why not? Because going back to what the Rambam says, every Jew, in, in, you know, the quintessence of every Jew is to do the right thing and do the mitzvahs. What happened is it's all camouflaged and covered over by our conscious level. But deep down, you really want it. So mitzvahs don't need kavana on the conscious level because you already have kavana in your inner self. Every Jew naturally wants to do the right thing, even though they not, might be aware of it, not in touch with the true self. Angel asked another question. We learn Let's say the person listening to the shofar had intent to hear it, but the person blowing, they had no intention to, to have your mind. Or the person blew the shofar had your mind, but you had no intention of being yaitzah. Both have to have intention for, um, you have to have intention. Now, let's analyze this. When we say the person listening has to have intention, if you hold that mitzvahs don't require intention, so we said, make sure it's not the sound of an animal, that you're aware it's the sound of a shaykh. But the person blowing the shaykh knows it's a shaykh. So what kind of intention does he have to have? Obviously, he needs to have intention for the mitzvah. Doesn't that prove that mitzvah is The person listening didn't have intention. What it means is, he thought it's the sound of an animal. Fine. But the other cases where the person blowing the shayfa didn't have your mind. Obviously, he's playing it for a song and he's not yet in levels. He have to have in mind the mitzvah of shayfa. Doesn't that prove mitzvah is kavana? Doesn't no. Maybe he's just blowing, having fun. And suddenly the sounds were emitted. That's a misasik. Even if you hold mitzvah don't need kavana, you have to be um, uh, uh, deliberate in the, in, the, in the activity you're doing. Here, he was just playing around, and the sounds, the correct sounds happen to emerge. That is no good. Okay, so we haven't resolved whether mitzvahs require kavana or not. Rav holds you don't. Abu Jishmul seems to hold you don't. And, um, and we'll continue tomorrow. Amalei Abai, Abai says to him, we have two, an Avera called Baltais, if you're not allowed to add to any mitzvah. We have an Avera called Baltigoda, you're not allowed to reduce the mitzvahs. So Abai has a very simple question. Comes the eight, you're telling me when you do a mitzvah, even though you had no intention, you did a mitzvah. Comes the eighth day, the day after sukkah, the eighth day, you're not just wrong. And you're sitting in the sukkah, mitzvahs don't require any intention. So it's as if I have in mind to eat in the sukkah. So that Baltais, the Torah says, you should sit in the sukkah, my sukkah stage when she was young. And I'm sitting on an eighth day. And in Chutzlaretz, how can we sit in the sukkah an eighth day on Shemini Atzeris? Why isn't that Baltasif? So if you hold that you're not, uh, you, you have not fulfilled the mitzvah unless you had a mind to do the mitzvah. So if you sit in the sukkah on the eighth day, you don't have a mind to do the mitzvah of the Torah of the sukkah, so there's no Baltasif. But if you're telling me they don't have to have anything in mind, so just by sitting there because it's nice, there's a gazebo there, it's warm uh, in the house, I want to sit outside, I should be liable. And we know you're not. So I'm going to buy it. Let me have to go to you. Hayoshin Bishmir Sukkah. So the guy sleeps in the sukkah on the eighth day. Yilkish, you get Malkus. Why did you get Malkus? Amalai. So he answers back. Shani Oimer, I say. Mitzvah ain't over alein elabizman. So he lays down a new rule. When do we say that you're over Baltasif? If, for example, in Tfilin, I have five compartments, five parshies instead of four. By Titsis, I have five thing of Titsis, not four. By Lulav, we learned you're adding more species, not the four species in the title. But it, no, it's at the time of the mitzvah, I tamper with the mitzvah. But once the window of the mitzvah is over and I do the mitzvah another time, there's no Baltasif here. 
That's what he wants to say. So Zimara is going to ask on that very point that once the, the time is over, there's no longer about Tosef. Is that correct? Masid Hashem, but a question. You know that a Koyin has a mitzvah. If a Koyin is, is, is there, it has to be oil. If a Koyin does not go to Duchen, he committed three Averis. You know, you have to bless the Jews. He didn't do it. He committed three sins. So, Says like this: Menayin lekoyin shayil lekohanu koyin. And once he that he's he's there on the platform benching us, shalayimid. He shouldn't say, "I'm here anyway." Giving all these wonderful brachas. Hoyil v'nas nolid toydel shush lebarakas. So oisi brach achal add another bracha. That is why, in fact, it says in all the svarim, people are not so careful. After biches koyin, we say to the koyin, you know, you should kayach koyin. The koyin might give you a bracha chazaka baruch, whatever it is. You've got to be very careful because the koyin is not allowed to add more brachas than the three brachas. He can say thank you, or he can say he should go back to you, but he shouldn't give you another bracha like Chazaka Baruch because that is Baltosef. He's adding a bracha. So, so it says over here, how do you know add any bracha? For example, he wants to add the bracha Hashem the Kavaseichim Yisraelichem a bracha, you know, a bracha from Tanakh. He wants to add that pasuk. Um, you shouldn't add anything. Now, what's our question? Once the Kayin finishes his, his three brachas, the window's over. It's out, it's now outside of the time. There's not to be another day. He did it, fulfilled his mitzvah. It's over. Where's Baltasev coming? You rubber just laid down a rule that once the window's over, is outside the window, is no longer Baltasev. So what's the problem of the Kayin wants to say a bracha after he does Bichas Kayin? Once he gave the three brachas, the time is over. And it says in the other that he was over. says, you know what we're talking about? With the side. Who told you that we're talking about a case where the coin is making the bracha after he finishes the bracha? We're talking about a sandwich in the middle of his brachas, he wants to add a shell again. So you want to have to be with time. Another bracha says, see him, he concluded. And then he wants to give a bracha. So you want to see him, bracha achas. What it meant was he, he concluded, he concluded only the first blessing, but it's still sandwiched between the other ones. So the window is still open. Says the Gemara of Atanya, there's another bracha which says clearly. See him call a bracha. So he finished the entire bichas kainim, and he wants to add another bracha. And yet we call about taisif outside of its window. So Gemara answers and introduces a new idea that no, if a kain, let's say, finishes the bichas kainim and he's walking by another shul, there's no kain there. They ask him, please come in and bench us. He can, and he's doing the mitzvah bichas kainim. So the window isn't over yet. As long as it's still yamtiv, and we do bichas kainim yamtiv, even when he completed the bichas kainim in the morning, he can do it again. So the entire day is considered the mitzvah, and that's why there's baltaisiv if he adds a bracha, even though he finished the bichas kainim in his particular minion. So, so when if, I say, if, if, he to, if he has, let's if he comes across another minion, and they ask him to bench so therefore kula the entire day is yamtiv. So you what do ask? I just want to say, if, if, if you say to a Koyen Yashakoyach, he shouldn't answer you, Baruch Tia. See, Baruch Tia might not be a bracha. It's not anything specific. So it's not saying you benched. <laughs> yeah, with what? With what, I, with what I said before. It's Chazaka Baruch, it's already a bit more specific. You should have strength. So if a person, if a Koyen goes to one shul and does Baruch Tia, he's not allowed to go to another shul and do the same thing. Yes. Day. Yes. That's Tosa. No, we're saying we're saying here that that it's not about you. Okay, actually, we're saying here that all day a coin can continue to bench again and again. Now, why is there no baltosif on that? So Tosis and that Tezvov told us that there's no baltosif if you repeat the same mitzvah. For example, we have to eat a kazayis matzah by the seder. 
And what happens? You eat more than a kazais. By the shulchan Eirich, you eat more uh, another two kazaisim. Have you done baltaisif? No. Taisif says if you repeat the same full mitzvah again, there's no baltaisif. Baltaisif is within the mitzvah you're adding. For example, I meant to say three brachas of bichas kainim. I added a fourth bracha. So that's baltaisif. But if I if I say again the same three brachas and ten different minyanim, there's no baltaisif there. Anyway, so what adding here is that since the kain can make the brachas a hundred times a day. It's still within his window, and that's why, that's why it could be baltasif if he adds a personal bracha to it. Says the Gemara, how do I know that? So that was a brisa that we Rav Shemin asked. How do I know that from a Mishnah? How do I know that if you can still do it within the same day, it's considered bismani within its time? If not, we learn the Mishnah. We learn as follows: Let's say this certain kabbanas that you only have to spray once, like a pchol. Firstborn animal, you only spray once. Let's say the two pechayres that got mixed up with each other, and now you don't know which blood is what. Doesn't matter. You sprinkle once in the bech is good enough. What about? Uh, sorry, you just put once on the bech, and you have in mind both kabbalas. What about matan dalal matan dalal? It was a carbon oil, a burnt offering, a carbon shlamim. With it, you have to spray on all four corners. So it got mixed up with another carbon, similar carbon, you have to spray it all four corners, no problem. You know, the matin dollar, you just spray it all four corners, you have in mind both kabanas, no problem. What about matin dollar matin achas? You had a, a, a carbon, a pchoyer, that got mixed up with a carbon shlamin. The pchoyer needs only one sprinkle of spray, and the shlamin needs four. What are you supposed to do now? They're all mixed up together. We have a big argument, Rabbi Lezer, and Hurkness, Rabbi Shua. Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Lezer says, you know, the matin dollar. Rabbi Lezer says, do follow the more stricter one, spray it on all four corners. Because when you spread all four corners, it automatically included the one as well. And Rabbi Shu said, no, no, no. You're Only do one because of her, you're not supposed to add more than one. So only do one. And uh, and, and and the four, well, you can't help it. Omar Rabbi said, what do you only do one? How do you even about it, God? If you do only one, that you're, you're including that one is also the carbon shlamim, which needs four. So you've just reduced the spraying of the blood for the shlamim from four down to one. Omar Rabbi said, and, and your way is any better. By spraying in all four corners, the trader said, by Abcha, you only do one and you did a four. How do you hear about Taisif? You added. Omar Rabbi one second. When is Baltasif if it's on its own? But here it's mixed up with the other blood. There's no Baltasif if I'm doing four because I'm doing for the other carbon, not for the Pachayr. So Omar Rabbi Shua. So Rabbi Shua said back to him. Do the same thing I say here. When is it Baltagara if it's you're taking a Shlamim on its own and you only spring one? But here I spring one because of the Pachayr. So there's no Baltagara. And but further, Rabbi Shua. I have a choice now. You're right. I can spray one and get the pachoy right, or I can spray four and get the shlomim right. I'd rather do the one. Why? I'd rather do the wrong thing passively than do the wrong thing actively. And he says as follows. If I don't put four, let's say you're right. I reduce the number of sprays that a carbon oil requires from four down to one. It was passive. But Kishinasata, if I'm supposed to have in here a pchur, the pchur only requires one spray. If I go ahead to four, a varta baltasiv, I did baltasiv and vasisim maisividech was proactive. Now, the one has a very simple question. What kind of baltasiv here? According to you, once the mitzvah is over, it's outside of its window, there's no longer baltasiv. So once you sprayed the first spray, spray on one of the corners, you completed your pchur, it's over. So if I continue spraying another three, I'm only doing it for the shlamim. The prayer is over. There's no baltasif anymore. And yet this whole mission is discussing baltasif. Doesn't that show that the baltasif exists even after outside the time of the mitzvah? 
Once you spray them once for the Bukhar, it's over. He's still reclaiming it. They both agreed to the Bukhar is involved there. How? The mitzvah is over. Isn't it? I mean, we say, the logic must be, you're the kind who does a spring on his back. What happens if somebody else brings you another Bukhar? You're going to have to spray again. So that entire day is considered the window mm -hmm. of the mitzvah. It's not like you, you finished because you finished this prayer. You don't look just at this prayer as a koyin. My mitzvah hasn't finished yet. I might get other prayers today. I'll spray later. It's the entire day is considered my time. So the Gemara, how do you know that that's the reason you, you, you came up with a big chiddush that even though I completed the mitzvah, it's still considered within the window because I could do it again. And you bring a proof for Rabbi Shur with the prayer. Who told you that's a logic? Maybe you're wrong. Maybe even if it's outside of the time, there's two batayisim. Maybe, and therefore my question goes back. The eighth day, you have sukkah, how can it in the sukkah if you don't need kavana? Dilma kasavar Rabbi Shur, how do you know the reason is because it's still within the window? Dilma kasavar Rabbi Shur, there is no window. Mitzvah's over alayin, I feel like it's man. Even if there's no window, even tomorrow or a week later, if you're doing a mitzvah when it's not inappropriate, you're about taisa. This is what we meant to ask. You misunderstood our question. We have a Mishnah and we have a Brahsi. They're both basically proving, trying to prove the same thing according to Rabbi Shemin, that what? That if, it's a, if you can repeat the mitzvah, it's still within the window. So why bring a brisa regarding a koyin? Bring the Mishnah for Rabbi Lezab Yeshua. We see clearly from there that outside the window. In other words, why do you bring from Bryce not the Mishnah? Because you understood, why do you bring from Rabbi Yeshua? The reason, there's only one possible reason why you don't bring the Mishnah. Because you understood, because the koyin can continue sprinkling other people, it's still within the window. So what's your question for a koyin? The same thing. If another shul needs the koyin to make the brachas, it's still within the window. It's still the same day. On the other hand, if you're sleeping in a sukkah on the eighth day of sukkah, it's, it's over. Sukkah is over. Why, why? You should have known the answer yourself. This is what we meant to say. I'm sure about my time. Why did you leave behind the Mishnah and ask the Brisa? Why didn't you ask a question for the Mishnah? It must be Masis in my time. When you're asking the Ilum, because if another Bukhar comes along, boy, you'll have to sprinkle it. Therefore, you treat it like the whole day is the window. So, Brisa Nami, the Brisa also, this coin goes to another show. He has to make a Bukhar again. You should know the answer. Just like in the case of the carbon, all day is this window, so too by the kayin. Says the Gemara, but Rabbi said, there's a difference between a kayin by a pchur and a kayin by benching. And what is that? Hosam sagi If a kayin is approached with a pchur and he's and he's serving that database of English, he needs to sprinkle the blood. Hocha here, There's no if the kayin refuses to go into the other shul to do kainim, he hasn't committed a sin. He fulfilled his mitzvah that day. There's no chi that he has to do more and more. And that's why the Rabbi says, I don't believe that he still has a window. I believe as soon as the Kayin completes his duty, it, it's over. And yet we're saying he shouldn't add uh, um, shouldn't add any more brachas to it. Hashem shouldn't add to it. Proves that even outside the window, you're over. So the question on Rav is a valid question. Why aren't you over the eighth day of Sukkot if mitzvahs don't need kavana? Just sitting out there in the gazeba just to keep, be cool, you should be over. So the Rabbi goes back and answers. Rabbi Omar, Rabbi says, um, Lot says to fulfill a mitzvah, you don't need kavana because you want to do the right thing naturally. To, to use that to say, I committed a sin about Taisa for that, I need to have intention. Says, What is that so? In the case of sprinkling the blood, 
once I finish one for the Bukhari, I don't think about the Bukhari anymore. And yet you're calling me about Taisif. I, I have no intention. And so we see that even what? We see that even if he had no intention, he's still over. You don't need Kavana, even though you had no intention that the three extra spraying has to do with the Bukhari, yet you're over, you're over about Taisif. Lot says, I want to fulfill the mitzvah. I don't need kavana. I want to do the right thing. If the koyan sprinkles the blood and he sprinkles more than one, even though he had no intention for the prayer, the fact is that he's um, that this is the day. It's still within your window that you have to spray because more prayer come along. And even if you have no kavana, you're right. If it's outside of sukkah, and I'm sitting in a sukkah, I am not liable unless I actually had a mind to sit in the sukkah. And we're talking about you don't have in mind. Now, the next piece of Gemara is a continuation over here. And the next piece of Gemara is a big machlek is how to understand it, whether the Gemara changes its mind and decides that mitzvahs do need kavana and argues with everything we learned today, or whether it's talking about you when you want to do a mitzvah for somebody else, you have to have them in mind. Is that an extension, a corollary of mitzvah or that's something totally different? Mitzvah don't need kavana. But if I have to represent you, I'm like your agent. If I'm your shliach, I have to want to be a shliach, so I have to have intent for that. And therefore, the, just to quickly fill you in halacha, halacha is in Simon Samach, mitzvahs of the Torah require intention. Mitzvahs the Rabbanon don't. That's the halacha. Anyway, I'm sure to everybody a good vach.